All right, everybody, welcome into episode number 22 of Tailgates and Heartbreaks presented by Section 513. I'm your host, Geezer. As always, I'm joined by two of my buddies, uh, my co-host, uh, Donnie Hester, who's got work tonight, so we're on a bit of a tight schedule, and my producer, Tito, who's already drinking at 2 o'clock on a Friday. What's up, boys? Yeah, I, I was just telling Tito earlier, I'm so jealous uh, that he's drinking, and then I have to go into work. Um, but, you know, I got to put uh, food on the table, pay bills. Just growing up things. Yeah. The sun just came out in Columbus today for the first time in three weeks, so I'm having a corona and finding my beach. If you got a problem with that, you can go fuck yourself. No, you deserve it, man. I'm just saying I'm really jealous and kind of pissed I have to work. <laughs> but I am excited, boys. We got the Super Bowl this weekend. Yeah, we got the Super Bowl, so we're going to get into those. We're going to get into our Super Bowl talk um, on a – like actual like sports note, and then we're gonna get out some of our uh, our more our favorite uh, prop bets that we have. Uh, I'm in the process of just like going through them right now as we speak, so I'm kind of in and out of it. But so we'll talk about that, and then but to start off the uh, episode, we're gonna talk uh, a mixture of Reds and Bearcats hoops. Um, obviously, Reds baseball, Bearcats hoops. Um, I know Donnie wanted to talk about the Reds uh, on the Tuesday episode of the pod, so but he's not on screen right now, so I will start with Bearcats basketball. Bearcats basketball uh, was back um, for the first time in 25 days yesterday, or Thursday, whenever this gets posted, um, and they won, which was very surprising. But the biggest thing that kind of got everybody like really tuned into the game, aside from the fact that it was their first game in almost a month, was that walk-on Rob Banks got the start. And let me tell you, I was so here for the fact that he got the start. He was going to, like, he was going to score. Like, that was his thing. He came out, and I think he had three shot attempts in the first two minutes. And the first two were terrible. And the third one, like, I thought he was going to make. But he took the first shot of the game. Didn't even touch the rim. It drilled like right side of the backboard from the wing. So it's the opposite side of the backboard. Dude, it was it was brutal. And I don't know if he got a lot of minutes after that. He was just kind of on the floor as a body. Um, the other guys who got to start were um, Mike Saunders, Chris Vogt, who naturally had, had to get a start in at some point. Um, I was, I'll I, just say real quick, I was more pissed that Chris Vogt uh started than rob banks <laughs> like yeah. i saw that that i was wondering like i was trying to listen and um i had people like trying to figure out like who the hell is gonna play tonight like who's unavailable and then we saw the starting lineup tweet from uc i was like oh we're screwed like for sure loss yeah i took the i took the under free by the way it was absolutely free at 139 what a stupid like i don't know who made that but uh, yeah i was surprised like the like the spread wasn't even wasn't higher too like i think like before the game it was maybe like two, temple was favored by two and a half points which given given the roster situation that the bearcats had to work with i thought that number would have been higher and to to go with it it was the fact that it was the first time they had played in almost a month but sure enough the bearcats came out and played really well uh, all things considered i mean temple was basically trying to give away the game in the first half. I yeah. mean, they had so many turnovers. It was insane. I was only able to watch the first half. David Julius was like, hey, whatever shooting slump I had before COVID 
uh, isolation period, I was going to shoot my way out of it. And he had a career high 26 points. I think he was four of 11 from three, but he was like, let me see. I think he was maybe, it was, I want to say it was maybe like 11 of 18, just, you know, in general, he had a lot of, you know, he had a deadly step back in the first, uh, first half, which was nice to see. Um, I, I love David Joyce. I love how he plays both sides of the floor. Um, and I, you know, it's nice to kind of see him shoot the ball a little bit better, all things considered, for what felt like a month and a half. He he just couldn't buy a bucket. Um, Jeremiah Davenport played really well, obviously. So you kind of saw what we had, you know. So we had the starting five, and then Keith Williams, Tari Eason, Mike Adams-Woods, and uh, Mason Matson were all available off the bench. Um so realistically, and I think they said on the on the broadcast, Zach Harvey and Mamadou Diar didn't make the trip. So I think those are the last two guys that are kind of coming through isolation. But Brandon has said it during he said it during the week, and he said it uh, after the game last night or Thursday night. They had their first five on five practice the day before the game. Yeah, I was listening were, to like not because like not because they were physically like you know going through all the protocols and stuff like they just couldn't no they didn't have enough players to do a five on five right brandon said like the he had nothing to his pregame with uh dan horde there was like coach like what have you guys been doing he's like well like a lot of this has been downtime and i've watched every single possession of every single game at least three times it's like that's pretty there's some ugly possessions in that film uh but but no you know john was um soaking up this opportunity and you know who else well going back a little bit backtracking david DeJulius, man uh this will be looked at remembered as the game that uc came off uh, a month without playing guys just sitting around and then david DeJulius said you know what guys follow me i'm gonna take us to the promised land in philadelphia and he killed it i'm 10 of 18 from the field, from the yeah, floor. Well, and the thing is with him shooting, like he wasn't a great, obviously hasn't been a good shooter all year, but he's been able to do so many things for this team, be a leader. And uh, man, if he can just shoot slightly like he did um, last night. Not, not his not his season total of 17% from three. Yeah, like, so not great. Yeah, <laughs> not great. Um, so I like, I really like him taking 11 threes a game though. I mean, it's like somebody needs to be the catalyst so why not you know he's a guy that i would feel comfortable if i was a uc fan taking that many shots just to try to get something going 18 shots a game i'm totally fine with 11 threes for him the way he's been shooting it would more likely be less than ideal well they, i mean it's not a very potent offense right now though i mean no if, if you feel no, like he's not. gonna shoot you know above 35 percent shit take as many as you want yeah so they shot 33s last night <laughs> Yeah, I mean, without Zach Harvey. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a three man show. It was you know, uh, Julius had twenty six, Dar- uh, Davenport had fourteen, and Keith had fifteen. Um, you so, know, like, I, I and I will say I, this: I, I got one. I, I got one thing I have to say about this. What's up, buddy? I normally am not the like so my I love Chad Brendel and the insight that he gives into you know football, the football and basketball programs up at UC. I do – I strongly dislike some of his professional sports takes in regards to the Reds and the Bengals. But there is nothing more enjoyable than watching Chad Brendel just eviscerate these, like, 
basically like message board UC fans that hop on Twitter and are complaining about the littlest things. I saw him get into an argument with a fan with multiple accounts about their free throw shooting. And he's like, they, some of them haven't been able to pick up a, like a basketball. They haven't been able to do anything. The only person on the team that was able to do anything was the Julius throughout the quarantine process. And it was because he had the antibodies. Like he's the only one. So like I saw someone like giving Mike Adams Woods shit on Twitter because he like missed a couple free throws towards the end of the game, which if I can see, if I can pull up the stats, I have them right here. He was three of six. On the year, he was a 95% free throw shooter. So the dude like picks up a basketball, shoots free throws, and he struggles, and people think the sky is falling. And it's like, how are you getting that upset about something, especially given the year and the circumstances, when this team hadn't played basketball for 25 days? Well, I think that's just the thing. This year has not gone the way uh, UC fans uh, wanted in any circumstance. You know, they haven't played for a month. They've been terrible when they have played um, in most of the games. Now, I think my big question was, and I agree with you, by the way. I think Chad Brendel, like, he has no chill. He's hilarious how he real, goes after people. Real quick, was he the Grippos guy? Grippos. I think he tweeted out, like, complaining about a bag of Grippos that didn't have enough chips in it. I'm out on Chad Brendel. That's, like, part of the whole thing. Grippos bags that's are kind of his thing. I have to yeah, say, no, I'll say, out on him. I he said, yeah, you'll, yeah, like, you'll be like, Oh yeah, I agree. And then he'll say something. It's like, dude, come on. So he he wants you to like not yeah. love him. Like He's that's kind of his. And also, I'm surprised it took us 22 episodes before Tito to mention Grippos, because that is like a company that I feel like he would have given free advertisement to, maybe all the way back into. Yeah, there you go. As he has a bag of Grippos, if I got you can right see, here. ladies and gentlemen, he just pulled out a bag of Grippos out of the best bar food, according to Tito. Or the best part. It is. I, I agree with that. That is that is. Grippo's extra salty pretzels, best uh, snack when you're drinking. Please uh, finish chewing your food before speaking. And um, my last question for you guys: Why, why, so why could Tari Eason and Keith and these guys come off the bench, but they didn't start? I, I was kind of confused about so that. I, I was working I, also, by the way, so I was kind of like half paying so attention to the game. My so I didn't get to watch the second half. But so I watched the first half and that's kind of when all that, you know, that kind of that stuff unfolded. I think it was because the guys who started were probably the guys that had have been clear of COVID and all the symptoms and whatnot and have actually been able to like maybe do like some conditioning and whatnot. Whereas I feel like the guys that didn't start were those guys who were on the back end of their, you know, 25 day isolation period to where they haven't been able to get as much, you know, conditioning done. But I mean, when you look at the minutes, I mean, uh, Mason had 20, Mason Madsen had 20, Mike Adams Woods had 22, and Keith had 22. But Tari only had 12. So, and I don't, and Tari wasn't in foul trouble. So I think Tari is probably still, you know, kind They're of. They're easing him back I mean, in. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. It was just nice to watch them play, you know, a basketball game. And it's, it's more impressive that they were able to get a win considering all of the factors going into it. Um, so, just that was it. Moving on. Well, Don, real quick before we leave college basketball, do we at least want to mention the fact that Ohio State had another top ten win and is going to be a top five team next week? Or are we just going to no, let that go? No, and we'll moving on to baseball. <laughs> the only thing I'll say about that is they will be top. They will be in the top five for a week, and then because the Big Ten just eats itself alive, 
they were Ohio, Ohio State and Michigan have been immune to that. I agree. It's a cannibal league, but like I fully expected Ohio they State produce, to, lose the only, to lose that I've last I've only game. watched two Ohio State games this year. Sorry, Tito. And then oh, they yeah. lost to Purdue both games. So. Yeah, we've dropped two to Purdue, one to Northwestern. I forget who our other loss was. But but if you look at college basketball, like take a step back and look at college basketball, like the whole scale of it, every league, especially the SEC, my God, it's just eating each other up. And, and South Carolina beat a ranked Florida team. <laughs> yeah, that's like, what was, that was my point. Yeah. A four-win South Carolina team beats Florida, who's very overrated. But This so. year, this year the, the, the field – in the like the bracket is going to be so rid so riddled with like double digit loss teams because everybody is just beating everybody. If yeah. you told me right now there were 32 mid majors that made the tournament, I would be psyched. Like we, yeah. we, there has to be something because this is just ridiculous. Oh, I, I'm I'm really curious to find um, a really random team. I had Long Beach State a couple years ago. Now that UK and UC are both not going to be in the tournament, I just want to find like the most. The Winthrop Eagles, man. The Winthrop Eagles. Well, Shout out Winthrop, Pac-Kelsey. obviously. Winthrop, They're obviously. 15-1. They just had their first loss last week, I think. But, yeah, I mean. I'll they're, on them, but I'm talking like a, just, just a stupid yeah. school. Like they're playing the Lumberjacks tough, of San Antonio uh, State or whatever. The way the, the Big South decided to schedule their conference games is like an absolute like grind. They, they play back-to-backs, and it's either all, all at home or all away, and they're always on back-to-back nights against the same team. It's ridiculous. I can't believe that they've been able to hold up, hold off 15 and one, but yeah. <laughs> Who made their scheduling? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I was scratching my head when I saw that one. All right, let's talk the Reds. Let's move on to yeah, the Reds. Let's move on to the Reds. And and Donnie, I'll let you uh I'll let you take control of this one. Um, okay. Because like I I have said off air, on air, in our group chat, I'm not necessarily there yet with the Reds. I'm also like not like. It's kind of hard to get excited about a team that's just, you know, not really being as aggressive as I feel like they should. All, all things considered, up until last week when the Cardinals traded for Nolan Arenado, the rest of the division was basically like trying to say, hey, take it. Like, seriously, like, we want you to have the division this year. Like, please. I am so pissed at the Rockies for making that trade. Arenado is my favorite non-red in the MLB, and I can't root for him anymore. That's well, my favorite my favorite thing about that whole like trade is that there is a picture. Uh, the Cardinals posted a picture of Dexter Fowler and Nolan Arenado hugging. Trade trade five minutes later. <laughs> not even twenty four hours later, Dexter Fowler in a salary dump trade is traded to uh, the Angels. Poor guy. <laughs> poor, poor guy. Uh, although the Angels, I mean, you're living in L.A., I guess. Yeah, yeah, it could be, it Angel. could be worse. So. One could say that the Reds have <laughs> – I was going to do a Doolittle joke, like, you know, because his name's Doolittle. Gonna... We'll, we'll be, cut that. We're just not going to – You'd be like everybody else on Red Twitter. <laughs> I've already said – I saw that tweet a thousand times, and I just – I'm not going to do it. Tito cut that. So Doolittle signs for about uh, – I think we got him for $1.5 million. Um, So his career ERA is 3.07. He has 111 saves. His best years were in uh, 2017 and 2018 in Washington. Uh, 18, he had 1.6 ERA. 2017, he had 2.4. 2019, it started kind of the the downward spiral of Sean Doolittle. He had a 4.05 last season. Or 2019 had 4.05. Last season had a 5.8. 
Well, he didn't. He also didn't pitch a lot last year. Right, and, and he I didn't pitch a lot. That's the thing. In, in injuries, the last two years have really kind of been his his downfall. But if there's one, if there is one thing that as a Reds fan that I like, the opinion that I have now is as long as Derek Johnson's here, and they're still just churning out, just they are basically fixing some of these broken down relievers. I'm all for it. Like if you want to think. If you want to take a flyer on a guy and a, a guy that had, has pitched in a World Series, too, like very recently, and, you know, has pitched pretty well as of as of recently outside of, you know, last year with the injuries and whatnot, I mean, I think you take that. Like, they love his fastball usage, so you know they're going to get in the whole, you know, spin rate thing and, and where, you know, you're getting, you know, rise on your fa- all that stuff. If there's yeah. one thing that if there's one thing that the Reds as a organization I am fully on board with what they're doing, it's they're just embracing of the analytics on the side of pitching because it's it's proven. It's I mean, look at some of these guys on the roster, like Tyler Malley changed overnight. Whether or not like if you look at his numbers, it might not be like they might not be pretty. But if you look deeper into all of like his spin rate stuff, his usage, his his whiff rate, all that, he was phenomenal last year. And I think that's why you see them make some of these moves where, yeah, we're not worried about bringing back an Anthony B. Scafani. You know, like it's just those things where a lot of people have the gripe with the Reds is, is the salary dump of players like, well, Rysel Iglesias and especially the handling of the Archie Bradley, you know, contract and whatnot. Like I like the, that's where everybody's pissed, and I mean that's where I'm upset. It's it's okay, like, but let I, me paint you this picture. So this is according to Baseball Reference, right? Iggy and Doolittle have very similar statistics, right? Doolittle is actually career has been a little bit bigger, better than Iggy. Um, but let's look at projections. Of course, this is just projections, nothing in uh, stone. Iggy is getting nine million dollars playing for the Angels, and his projection. Uh, ERA based off the last two seasons he's had in Cincinnati mm-hmm. is four. Doolittle is getting 8.5 less million. Or wait, no, yeah, Iggy's getting nine million. Doolittle's getting 1.5 million, and his projection they expect him to bounce back and go to 4.3 ERA. So we're basically saving. We had to do a move that um, where our hands are tied right now. Ownership is not going to spend money. This front office has to make creative ways. Um, and I think the Sean Doolittle pickup is brilliant. I love it. It's very similar. You said picking up waivers on these pitchers using the analytics um, like Kyle Bodie and them. It's the same thing they did when they got up Jeff Hoffman and Case Williams earlier, uh, their first move of the offseason, that trade with uh, Colorado. And they've, uh, made, and they've made similar moves too. Yeah, the and, they've, and they've kind of done that, and that's what they have to do. I mean we're such a small market that that's kind of moves that we can expect going forward, um, unfortunately, this offseason. I still think – uh, so let's let's go from the pitching. So we kind of have our bullpen, right? We're gonna really yeah. rely on Amir Garrett, um, Lorenzen if he's in the bullpen. He might start. We're relying on a comeback year for Jose D. Uh, de Leon, who had a great winner in Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, he was dealing in Puerto Rico. He really well, was. In my, in, in my personal favorite, I don't know if you're about to say his name or not. Lucas Sims. And Lucas I Sims. Love, yeah. I love Lucas Sims. He's absolutely. So and, we're gonna and and but my biggest gripe was we we couldn't we just chose to save five or six million dollars instead of getting Archie Bradley. Now the Iggy move I understand. 
Archie Bradley, if you give Archie Bradley in that bullpen, I think the bullpen's solid, right? But not having Archie, you're really going to have Jose De Leon. You're really going to need him. Um, and you're going to need Doolittle to have a bounce back year. I, I'm not worried about uh, Sims or Garrett at all. And, and here's the thing. And, you know, I wasn't, I, I'm not worried about the Reds and their pitching staff. Like, I trust that's, I trust Derek Johnson and the staff to do their thing with those guys. My biggest issue is that before the season even started, or before free agency in the offseason really got going, is they said we we need to we're looking at getting a shortstop, whether it be through free agency or trade. And it's all right. I'm, I understand not wanting to sign Mark a guy like Marcus Simeon to a to a deal when he gets a one year deal for eighteen million dollars from Toronto. I understand that. I also think you know I would have loved to have brought back Didi Gregorius, but I didn't also want to overpay him because he his numbers. Yes, he has power, but like the dude hit basically at the same level that Tucker Barnhart did. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, do we want that? Do we want two of those guys in our lineup? No. Do you guys no. put any stock into the theory that like you can't like I've heard a lot of people talking about how like when you're looking at free agency, like the 2020 numbers should MSB be looked at as an anomaly. Like just because of the length. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure. I think there. I think that's the case for some guys. And I, I, you know, I think it's crazy that you can like. I think pitching's different. I think pitchers. Well, no, I think it's the same. I think you know, the the guys who are pitching probably had a little bit more of an advantage. But then again, there are some guys that struggled on the mound, and there were some hitters that absolutely ripped. Yeah. So I think it's like it's there's there's a there's a balance to it. There's a fine line. But, you know, well, I, I'm just thinking like from a getting into the season perspective, because, you know, there every year there's some stud that, you know, bats 150 through the first 60 games of the season. And it's, you know, is looked at as being way overpaid and water always finds its level towards the end of the season I I have, for pitching that's the Reds roster last year. Yeah. I think for pitching, you can make a case for starters. But, I mean, I think the bullpen guys were able to get more frequent appearances last year. So, I don't really have that much of a – I'm not going to give them as much of a pass. But, I don't know. I just thought when you were brought up like DD, obviously last year wasn't pretty at all. But, I, I don't know. I mean yeah, – They wanted to bring him back. And I think it just came down to the cost, too. I think it was he's like two years, $28 million, So, it's around $14 million per year, which – I'm out. If the Reds are cutting, if they're salary dumping Rysel Iglesias and not bringing back Archie Bradley for $6 million, they're not going to pay Dean Gregorius. Now, it really here's hurts. The here's the thing. And I, well, actually, I'll let you go because I was going to. It really hurts that they aren't, that, you know, they are doing all this, you know, cutback, all these cutbacks to the payroll right now because if the, if like everyone is saying that the luxury tax goes away in 2022. The Reds are – I can't even imagine what this free agent market's going to look like as far as what the Reds are going to be able to do. Because, I mean, you're talking about now, – now you're talking about big market teams that actually do have unlimited pockets at this point. And I'm not saying that some team's going to roll out in 2022 with a $500 million payroll. But, I mean, those little $1 to $2 million increases on those middle-of-the-roster guys are really going to hurt small market teams, especially small market teams that are unwilling to spend money like the Reds. A.K.A. Bob Castellini, who's a 
but fuck. Sorry, that's the truth. So like, what do we? What do you guys but, want right now? Best case scenario, obviously, isn't uh, having a three way between Kyle Holder, Jose Garcia, and Kyle Farmer at shortstop. Where no. do we go? And this seems obviously, you know, I love Lance McAllister. He brought this up. The Indians are uh, uh, trying to get rid of Ahmad um, Ahmed Rosario. Who Ahmad I was Rosario? They need forward. outfielders. Aquino Rosario, give him a prospect. We take a one-year, two-year waiver on him. Let Garcia develop. That's the answer right there. Here's my thing. Like, there are some people that think trading for a guy like Ahmed Rosario would cost a bunch. No, it wouldn't. Like, you are you don't have to give up one of your top prospects for Ahmed Rosario. No, I'm talking like 11 to 20 range prospects. Yeah, yeah if definitely. That, even if that. And if they want an MLB-ready player, I have – Give up one of your outfielders because well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Aquino, I don't think has any value for us anymore. And I think, I think trading for a guy like Willie Adams from Tampa Bay also makes a ton of sense. I know his name's been floated around a bunch, and you know if if you can dip into the Tampa Bay Rays uh, farm system, which has been a gold mine for a couple years now, that's a guy that they are. I mean, he's got a really good glove. Um, I think he's got a pretty good bat. I don't. I I have to look into a little bit more. It's I'm not like as familiar with it, but you know you got to do it via trade, and I think you got to pull the trigger. You def like you can't sit there as an owner and as a GM or whatever and say, oh, we're we're committed to winning when you're gonna roll out a platoon squad at shortstop with a guy of of Kyle Holder who was acquired from the Phillies in a in the Rule Five draft, and Kyle Farmer who hasn't played more than I think like. 50 games at shortstop in his career and he's he 30 proved years in the old. playoffs that he can't yeah. be starting so, so no like we we need yeah they need to make a trade and and I, I i will say this i want to make this one statement and then i'll kick it to tito for an ad read it's really going to get people riled up i think if mike brown is a better owner than bob castellini for as much shit that we give mike brown Mike Brown has had more success in the past 30 years, even, even with all the shit in the 90s, than Bob Castellini. The Reds have made the playoffs four times in, I think, what, the past 25 years? Okay? 25 years. And this is a baseball town. Like, if, if you had to ask the population who they would rather have be better, they would probably, they would more than likely take the Reds. Like Cincinnati fans love the Reds in this city. When the Reds are good is awesome. It's so much fun. It's the summertime. Everybody loves it. Like 2010, 2012. That was awesome. But what he's done as the owner of the Reds is criminal. The Reds are worth a billion dollars. Don't sit there and cry. You're a poor man. And you're trying to, not spend a lot of money when you can. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, Mike Brown, regardless of how people feel about him, has had more success recently. I'm talking like 15 to 20 years worth than Bob Castellini has. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate that take. I think that you have to factor in that it is, like, probably doubly as hard to make the playoffs in baseball than it is in the NFL. But, I mean, I don't hate the take. At least, at least uh, Castellini paid paid Votto. I mean, that's his one shining star as far as spending money. 
Yeah, and, and some people are like, the, and some people hate that he did that. You know, it's just. Do you, you still hate that he did that? Me? Yeah. No, I didn't hate it to begin with. Oh, I, I thought my, you used to be on the. No. I thought you well, used to no. be on the train. That was a bad deal. No, I, 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 you, you needed to do the deal. Maybe the money, maybe not the years. Like that was like, at that time, that was what type of deals they were shelling out to guys like that. And you know, he was an MVP. Yeah. Who knows what his career would be like if he doesn't like blow out his knee and have back issues and all that stuff. And still, Vada is one of the best hitters of all time. I agree. So best hitter in Reds history. Yeah. So we'll kick it to Tito for an ad read, and then we'll get into our Super Bowl talk. All right, guys. Do you enjoy listening to uh, Tailgates and Heartbreaks? Then you need to check out Section Five One Three. Section. 513 is Cincinnati's newest sports blog featuring writing from all of your favorite personalities from tailgates and heartbreaks. You can get our takes on anything Cincinnati and beyond on section 513. You should also check out the same spot. You get tailgates and heartbreaks. The daily Don's coming out a couple times a week. You can get Donovan's perspective on a myriad of things. It's pretty much whatever he feels like talking about that day. And we'd also like to give a shout-out from Section 513 to Tyler Masenko for new logo. Very much appreciated. Looks great. Uh, he did us a big favor on that, so thank you very much, and we'll be sporting it everywhere. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thank you to Tito for that flawless ad read. Also, thank you to Tyler Masenko for our uh, updated logo. That is also just the temporary logo that is not the official logo so got a little a secondary logo we got for the boys over here look at us hitting the big time um as we were talking about off air trevor bauer has officially signed has agreed to a contract with the los angeles dodgers so trevor it was it was fun while you were here thank you for becoming the first cy young winner in red's history as wild as that is uh, now he's going on to greener pastures. He's going to L.A. You got the bag, man. Um, congrats to him. He got paid. Uh, now he can f- finally fulfill his role of being the biggest villain in MLB by going to the Death Star. I fucking hate L.A. Don't even get me started. on. Ba- I, I'm so mad right now. Um, I would have been so much happier. I mean, New- I hate New York, too, but I'd much rather see him as a Met. Um I'm really upset because I actually like Trevor Bauer a lot, and I didn't think he would be going to the Dodgers. That's just really upsetting to me. Um, He's an L.A. guy. Yeah. So, all right. Fuck him. Fuck the Dodgers. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. This is the reason why we're doing this episode. We are two days away from the biggest game of the year between – Probably the best matchup that we can get, all things considered, storyline-wise. You got the you got the goat, the unquestioned goat against the potentially, hopefully, uh, depending on how you feel about him, the the next goat, if that makes sense. Baby goat. Baby, he's baby goat. Yeah, he's baby goat. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady squaring off the Super Bowl is is going to be must-watch TV, just like how their AFC Championship battle was two years ago. Um, you know, this game is – I'm so excited. I really am, because this is going to be – this is two teams who offensively are insane. Uh, DVOA ranked uh, Chiefs at two 
in the Tampa Bay Bucks at three, and that is taking legitimately every factor of every game into account for every single play, every single snap, every single down. The Chiefs are the second-ranked offense statistically, and the Tampa Bay Bucks are the third-ranked offense. Wait, who's this the first? Green Bay. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. DVOA wise, the stat is very the the DVOA stat is very confusing, but like. I kept rereading it like five times last night and today to try and make it make it more sense. I kind of understand it a little bit more now. So, um, yeah, this is going to be fun. And I think a key to this game on my for me is um, it's obviously like most games, it comes down to success on third down. But both teams, uh, it starts on first down. The Chiefs have been incredible on first down. You know, they're getting themselves basically from first down to second and short and then they're, they're not even touching third down, whereas the Bucs, they've been, like, getting into third and longs, and because of the Bruce Arians offense, they, they have no problem, you know, throwing it on third and 14 because they have no choice and completing it for 37 yards or whatever. So if the Bucs have uh, trouble converting on these third and longs, which they've just been prone to putting themselves in in the playoffs, it could be a long day for them. Also, they have to guard Tyreek Hill, who had – what was it, seven catches for 260-something yards and three touchdowns against them? Yeah, I think um, – well, the Bucks have their uh, – any word on the injuries? I know uh, they're probably kind of keeping it – I know Fisher's not playing for Kansas City, right? And I think the yeah, Bucks – Fisher, and there's one more that's kind of like a big name. Like, I, I forget who it is. But obviously they have uh, – Nicole Hardman's not – I don't think he's able to play. He has to, like, test uh, – he has to test negative, I think, oh. like – the Tito, there goes your there goes your prop bet. <laughs> but um no, I think that uh the Bucks safeties are injured too, and that you can just see Tyree Kill having a field day if that's true. Um Whoa. what are you saying, buddy? An ad uh, autoplay ad caught me off guard there. All right, so it looks like uh JPP was the only Chip- player that did not participate in practice uh yesterday i believe yes yes or no wednesday uh limited was uh, ab levante david jordan whitehead and antoine winfield jr so, so I, both safeties will be playing okay uh, Chiefs, Donovan, uh the only players that were off the field were willie gay and eric fish Shout out Gamecocks. Uh, he was limited, and so is Sammy Watkins. Okay. So, never mind. Um, but still, Tyree Kill, I don't care who you got safety. Um, uh, Tyree Kill is going to eat you up. Yeah. I mean, and if, if Tyree Kill doesn't eat you up, then they're just going to throw it to Travis Kelsey the whole day. And That's- so, the way Travis Kelsey has been on a bender – this postseason and really all year, his whole career. Yeah. But dude, he is destroying teams. Um, we'll get into the prop bet section with him later. But man, I think he is a big game. Tyreek obviously is a big game. I think the big thing about you know Kansas City is going to score, right? I think the last time they, Kansas, uh, the Tampa Bay defense actually held them to 27 points in their first game. Um, it was early in the season. You know, you can kind of throw that game out, I guess, because the Bucks really weren't clicking yet. But the Bucks defense has been good all year. They have to find a way to keep Kansas City getting um, scoring touchdowns. They have to hold them. 
Red zone defense for Tampa Bay's been good. Yeah. Sean, Sean, I, I'm pretty sure I have his name right. Sean Murphy Bunting uh, has been incredible for them in, in the postseason. He has an interception in every game so far. Um, you know, that's like we've said, that's kind of how the game is transitioning. They will let you get as many yards as they want, but if you can create turnovers and get stops in the red zone, that's that's the key. But the Kansas City Chiefs are a different beast. You have to outscore them. There's yeah. a reason why the Chiefs have only lost one game this year. And it's because you have to score 40. You have to outscore them. And the one team to score, to outscore the Chiefs, naturally, it's how you lose. But Oakland, uh, not Oakland, sorry, Las Vegas put up 40 points. And the Chiefs still put up 30 in that game. So, like, that's what, if the Bucs have any realistic hope of winning this game, they're going to have to score points. Oh, yeah. I don't think they have to score 40, though. No, no, no. Because I don't think the Chiefs, I think the Bucks defense will be good enough to hold the Chiefs under 35. I agree with you. And the only reason why I will, I will say that, especially because of like how, like the injuries that Kansas City has up front is going to be the reason why if like, that's why the Bucks don't have to score 40 is because I like the, that line up front that they have in Kansas City is like all backups right now. It's all backups. I, I think that, I, well, I mean, I don't think that Kansas City has played a team in the playoffs whose linebackers had the speed that the Bucks do. Like, they but, weren't getting that with the Bills. They weren't getting that with the Browns. But that's that's your Travis Kelsey. That's why Travis Kelsey has big games is if you have slow linebackers and you have to sit and nickel for the whole game and bring safety down on them, he's going to – I mean, he's going to beat that safety somehow – He's too physical, and he can make cuts. If you can put a linebacker that can play, I'm not saying he's not going to have a big game, but they haven't played a defense that has the linebacking speed that the Bucks do. Like, there's a reason that those linebackers were difference makers against the Saints and were difference makers against the Redskins. Well, I will say this, and as much as I am a huge fan of um, uh, Drew Brees, I mean, he wasn't throwing the ball down the field at all. So like that is like that. I think that argument for that game in that performance, the Saints dominated them all year for starters. But like Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball downfield, so everything was going to be underneath. And yes, yeah, so their linebackers are solid, but like the Chiefs have so much speed on the outside, so much. There's you can't. There's not a single person in the NFL that can lock up Tyreek Hill. And Mahomes dices up zone defense, dices up man to man. Can't blitz him because he's just as good against the blitz. It no one's been able to stop Travis Kelsey either. So like, what are you just the Chiefs are running away with this and putting up sixty five? Like no, but no, but Tito, this is what I'm saying. I mean, I'm trying to make an argument that the Bucks can win this game, and you're telling me that the Chiefs are putting no, up seventy two points. The Bucks can. I think the Buccaneers can win this game. I'm not saying that they can't, but the, the odds are definitely against them. It, it, it's a huge help that they have a guy named uh, Tom Brady on the other side of the field for sure. And I, I know a lot of the public, I'm pretty sure the public is on the Buccaneers. Or damn near close. There are a lot of people taking the Bucks. I mean, yeah, there was that guy I'll, that put two and a half million down. Uh, I'll check the, uh, I can get public bet percentage. I don't have money, but I'll look that up. Yeah, look that up, dude. I So part of me, I'm just not – I'm done betting against Tom Brady. 
I don't care if he's 40. I don't care if he's 75 still playing. The dude, I got a little nugget for you guys. He needs 162 yards, which he will get, and then some, to get 3,000 uh, yards passing. In the Super Bowl! 3,000 yards passing in the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. that's crazy. And so, uh, I'm done betting against him. So, Tito, did you look it up? We got yeah, some real quick. I actually do have money unlocked for this one. It's Sports Action's uh, bonus game. So, 59% of the bets are on the Chiefs and 63% of the money's on the Chiefs. That tells you the Chiefs are probably the smart bet as far as, like, angles go. Um as far as the over/under, 72% of the bets are on the over, and uh, 52% of the money's on the under, which would tell you bet the shit out of the under. That's the spread. Interesting. All right. Well, well, I think for so go ahead. Before, all right. So Tito, because I'm looking up the numbers on this, regardless of how you feel about. You know, yes, the Buccaneers have speed at the linebacker position. It's really only Devin White. Levante David's kind of old. Kevin Minter is a fossil. And their their pass their pass coverage grades, according to PFF, outside of Levante David, are atrocious. Devin White and Kevin Minter are really good at defending the run. Devin White is an 82 overall grade all year, and Minter has a 75. Jeez, like. I don't – okay, let's put – I understand that their PFF grades might not back it up for the full season, but can you admit to me right now that this linebacking core is playing unbelievable right now? Like, they're, they're, they are fast in the pass coverage, and they're making the field very small. They're making the middle of the field very small for their secondary, and that has been a huge help to them in these last two games. And I think that that makes a difference when you're talking about a tight end. I don't think Travis Kelsey's going to have the numbers that he did in the first two or in the first two playoff games he played. Grant, will you know? Is he probably going to have five catches, close to 100 yards, and a touchdown? Yes, but that's not the numbers that we're talking about him putting up. And you know, I mean, if he's limited, somebody else is. It's going to it's going to open the door to exploit other parts of that offense. From a defensive perspective, I mean, I I I I get what you're saying. I do, but I'm I'm also you know on the. I mean, Travis Kelsey is I think the leading receiver in the NFL yards wise. I mean, he's got 105 catches this year for 1,416 yards and 11 touchdowns. Like you're like regardless of how you feel about how teams are like scheming up how to slow down the Chiefs, dude, he's a di- he is a different beast. He's like what Gronk is. He's like – he's what Gronk was before Gronk started to, like, fall apart and get hurt in his New England days. Like, when Gronk first came onto the scenes, when Gronk was killing it in New England, it's because he was a matchup nightmare. He was bullying people. Kelsey is now – now, Gronk's a – Gronk as a blocker and as a receiver that you're never going to see a tight end do what Gronk did. Travis Kelsey is his own special type of tight end where, you know, even if you put one of your lockdown corners on him, he's going to cook you. I mean, he put Denzel Ward in a blender on a slant route. Like, so I have, I just have a hard time because we haven't seen any team really do it yet is slow him down or slow down that matchup. And if, and if the Buccaneers do, that's great. If they're like, we're going to do everything we can to take away Travis Kelsey 
Well, then you still have Sammy Watkins. And actually, I think he's questionable. But you still have Tyreek Hill. So, you know what I mean? It's just like one of those things. It's just one of those give and takes. But, I no, I do agree with you. I think the Bucks, the Bucks defense has been incredible in the playoffs. And it's because they've created timely turnovers. They, they've been, you know, especially in the red zone, I think their red zone defense has been the biggest reason why they are, have been successful in the postseason when the person's not named Tom Brady. Like, look at the Green Bay game. Green Bay got in the red zone. I think they had maybe four or five trips, and I think they were they came away empty on or with three points on, you know, two of the five or three of the five. Like, that. that's how you win in today's NFL. And if they can hold, and I will say this, if they can do something similar to that against the Chiefs, you know, if they let's say Kansas City gets in the red zone six times and they hold them to three field goals, that's a huge win. I think Tampa Bay's obviously, I think their chances of winning skyrocket, skyrocket. It's going to come down to that. That, in my opinion, and that's where I think those linebackers, like you said, come into play. But like I think that for 80 yards, for I, I just don't think you're going to be able to like slow down the offense. It's just when the field naturally condenses itself then you're there, yeah, then you have a better chance. All right, so should we just go to predictions then um, and then get into some, some bets? What do you guys think? That's fine with me. Yeah, let's do All it. All right, Geez, you want to start off who you got in the Super Bowl um, and why? Um, so you can probably already guess which way I'm leaning. I mean, I'm going to yeah. take the Chiefs just because yeah. – I still, I still feel like we haven't seen them play their best game of football yet all year, and I think the Chiefs can win. They could do what they did this year and win in a regular season 13 games. You know what I mean? Like they could play six to their 70% of their ability and make the playoffs and be an incredible team. I just feel like Patrick Mahomes is he is a magician. He is a talent that we have never seen when it comes to arm strength, you know, just the, his ability to create inside the pocket, outside the pocket. You couple that with the weapons they have and the play calling that you have from Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. It's just, it, it's just so tough to stop. And it's, it's kind of transforming the NFL into it's like, you got to find ways to stop offenses like that, because that's what teams are trying to emulate. And, I think I think it's going to be a really close game because I think the offensive line issues for Kansas City are going to be a factor because if there's one thing that the Buccaneers have shown that they've done well in the postseason, it's red zone defense and create turnovers, and that front four is lethal with Jason Pierre-Paul, who's kind of re, you know revived his career for the most part, give, given the circumstances that he's had. He's been pretty good. Plus, you know, you have Ndamukong and Sue, who's played pretty well for them. And then you have those linebackers. Like Tio said, like regardless of how the linebackers graded out in coverage, I mean, they've the defense has played well in the postseason. So, uh, but I'm going to go with – DP officially questionable. Really? Is that what – That's this a was? huge blow. That's a huge blow if he can't go. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like it, it, it'd be a huge blow if you're going up against the Chiefs' top dogs on the line, but you're going up against backups. So you never know what the, what, what kind of depth are you going to have. So I mean, it's going to be interesting. But I have I have the Chiefs winning. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, and I think it's going to be very similar to the AFC Championship game that they had two years ago, where it's just going to be whoever has the ball last. And, and I what think, are we thinking? Like 54, 52? 
No, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Chiefs. I'm gonna go with Chiefs 34 and uh, the uh, Bucks. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, let's say like 27. 34-27. Yeah. Okay. I'm just gonna write it down to make fun of you later. Gotcha. That's fine. Tito, what do you got, buddy? What are you thinking? Um, I I don't know. I mean, I like the way that I'm watching the Buccaneers play right now. Uh, I don't think that you run into offenses that are much more potent than the Packers are. Uh, and, and as good as Pat Mahomes is, Aaron Rodgers had a season that was better than Patrick Mahomes this year. He was playing the best ball that he's played in his entire career. And, I mean, if Tom Brady doesn't have balls get – I think, what, he had two interceptions get tipped, and then one of them was just a terrible ball – that kind of kept the he Packers. He did a bad third quarter. He, he did. Bad yeah. So I mean, uh, without that, that's a route. Like that game is an absolute route. You so, don't face, you don't face any more potent offense than Aaron Rodgers, but you face the next potent offense in the NFL in the Chiefs. I know, but I'm saying, look what they just did to the Packers. I, I think that I think that Devontae Adams is just as much of a matchup problem as Tyree Kill is. So. And, and you know what? They've got uh, – I, I mean, I think Robert Tanyan is one of the more underrated players in the league. I'm not saying that he's Travis Kelsey, but that's a very, very capable playmaker. So, I mean, they just had to do it last week, and they shed their stripes. I like the uh, I like the Chiefs – or I like the uh, Bucks to hold the Chiefs under 30 points. I think it's, a, uh, you know, maybe 31 at a max. Uh, but I, I think you're looking at a, a 27-28 to uh, – so Bucks, pretty much a flip of what Geezer said. I think the the Bucks put up, uh, you know, five touchdowns or some combination of that in field goals. We'll go ahead and to put a number on it. Let's say 33 to 27 um, for uh, a Bucks win, and uh, and that would be the over. Yes, sir. It would be. All right. I'm so torn because part of me looks at the Chiefs, and they're the next dynasty in football. While they're hot right now, it's going to be like no one can stop them. Back-to-back Super Bowls, and I feel like if Kansas City wins this game, it's going to be a bloodbath, like an actual blowout. So I do think, though, the way the Bucks' defense, what they've showed me um, this playoffs, Ben, don't break. I love it. Um, and then you're, you got Tom fucking Brady. So I'm not I'm not betting against Tom Brady. I've done it before. I've, I've done it probably five times in the Super Bowl, and I've been wrong every single time. I'm going Tom Brady. Um, I think the Bucks win in a classic. Now, part of me thinks it's going to be a blowout because we've had such a shitty year because of COVID that, oh, just to top it off, we have a shitty Super Bowl, you know what I mean? But no, I, I think we deserve something great, and I think we get a classic. Um, Tom Brady's final Super Bowl win. I'm going 35-31 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Donovan, just a little note on the Brady front. If he wins, he will have lapped. Donnie, you said 35 31. 35 31. 35 31. Opposite of me. Yeah. Uh, no, 33 27, Tito said. I got him written down. Um Patrick Mahomes actually, I'll even go further. Patrick Mahomes is driving. The Chiefs have the ball at the 34. Uh he looks for Tyree Kill, and Mike Edwards, former Wildcat, picks it off to seal the game for Tampa Bay. <laughs> Suck on that. <laughs> um, Figured that you know, was I was just going to say, if uh, if me and Donovan turn out being right here, Tom Brady will have lapped Joe Montana in Super Bowl wins. 
the next best quarterback of all time, he will have lapped him in Super Bowl wins. It's ridiculous. It's preposterous. He, I mean, I, I just. I, He's the most dominant athlete of all time. It's not even close. I've been hearing these stats all week, and they're still wildly impressive. Uh, yeah. I just, it's, yeah. it's insane. I mean, he's going to have 3,000. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He needs two more to lap Montana. Uh, yeah, my bad. Okay. But somebody still, was saying like, if they win, they'd be the betting favorites going into next year. That's what I was thinking. Sorry. Okay. So yeah. this would be seven, but it's still nuts. Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, let's go into our favorite prop bets. Now there is a billion. Like, an actual billion things to bet on. Cool. Um, it's the best day of the year when it comes, like, if you're, if you are. Or the worst. Or the worst yeah, or day worst. of the year. If you love prop bets, this is your Super Bowl. Naturally. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. Like, so, I, I'm going to start off with, um, I, I look for value, right? There's a lot of things that are obviously going to happen, but you don't get much value. I love value. I think the Chiefs start off with the ball. You can mark that. And I think for plus 400, I think they get a field goal in their first possession. For plus 400. Are you, hold up. Are you, like, aware, though, that Brady, like, will take the ball if they win the toss? Okay, that's fine. Uh, Tom Brady in all his 69 Super Bowls has never scored a first-quarter Super Bowl touchdown, Tito. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just saying for the Chiefs to get the ball first, like – are you are you saying you're betting on the Chiefs to get the no, ball? No, I'm not first? betting you're it, betting but I think I, I played this vision out. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I played this vision out. I'm gonna say the Chiefs win. They get the ball, and plus 400. I think the Bucks defense shows that they're in for a fight, and they stop Kansas City and force them to a field goal for plus 400. Or, <laughs> but I also am taking uh, Travis Kelsey first possession touchdown for plus 650. So I'm I'm all over the place. I'm taking so much stupid shit that uh, I, I I like that that Kelsey bet a lot. That's yeah. Plus six fifty is good good value as well. I also like Travis Kelsey as the uh, MVP winner of the Super Bowl. Yes. Plus one thousand. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and his over yards is ninety seven point five, and uh, his receptions is seven point five. I'm taking over on both of those. Um, the way he's been playing in the playoffs, are you kidding me? Not even close. Yeah, I know it's. What do you guys think about Pat Mahomes' rushing yards? Right now, it's at 19 and a half. Love it. Love he's it. He's hit those all year. Well, and the O line's kind of depleted, so I think he's gonna be scrambling a little bit, right? Yeah. I'm just looking right now. Brady's under for passing yards looks good. 294 and a half. Um, hold on. Quick note. I got shout out Joey Dowd. So last year, Pat Mahone's rushing, um, yards was 31 and a half. He had 44 going in the final drive and then he kneeled three times and he, he finished like a yard short. Oh, <laughs> what a dagger. So yeah, watch out for that. Be, yeah. be, be eyeing that. Um, I just thought that was funny. Shout out Joey Dowd. I like uh, Gronk anytime touchdown plus 220. I think if they get in the red zone, he'll get at least a touch. I also – I like the uh, – I like will a football be used as a prop during the halftime show? And 
Has the weekend ever picked up a football? I don't know. I feel like today would be not today. Saturday, uh, Sunday would be a great time. Um, my, my, I think my favorite prop bet is uh, ooh, how many times will the change be chains be used for measurement? Ooh. The fact that it's set at one and a half, the odds are not great. Like it's plus one twenty, and the under is minus one sixty. So there's no value there. Um, but there, hold on. Which one is it? Let me pull it up. Okay, so obviously you have the Gatorade color, you know, you got your yellow, your orange, red. Someone, there's water on here. It ain't going to be water, folks. It's going to be Gatorade. Um, but who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first in his speech? Teammates, minus 160. God or Jesus, plus 200. City, plus 650. Coach, plus 1,600. Owner, plus 1,600. Austin if, James plus a billion. <laughs> if Brady wins, like if the Bucks win, Brady's going to get the MVP and he's going to mention teammates first. I don't know what Mahomes does or Kelsey. How many TikToks? I, I don't know if this is a prop bet. How it's many TikToks does his brother make during the game? It is definitely a uh, a prop bet for sure. And if oh, it's it is. I'm taking you over no matter what it is. <laughs> if it's not a prop bet on like uh, like one of these bigger websites or uh, sports books, it's definitely on Barstools. Barstool will 100% have something of like how many TikToks will Jackson Mahomes make. Yeah, shout out the states of Kentucky and Ohio for uh, not letting me get on that. Yeah, oh. that's real. That's real. That's real tight, Ohio. One thing I do like for plus 156 is Edwards Hilaire having more yards than Leonard Fournette on the ground. I think that's easy. Um, I don't know about you guys. I like both teams to score. Now there's not really good value. Both teams to score over 24 plus 100. I mean, yeah. Take Patrick that. Mahomes uh, to throw an interception is plus 124. I like that. And I'm hammering. I'm hammering Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes to both throw picks. Well, Brady's uh, yeah. minus 150 to throw one. I, I I don't know. I mean, I could see him not. I feel like. I feel like all the picks that get thrown against the – or that the Chiefs have are, like, either broken plays or tip balls. And I feel like Brady doesn't – like, when Brady throws a pick, it's usually just because it's a pick. You know what I yeah. mean? No, I think he's going to have at least one, and I think – I actually am taking Tyron Matthew to intercept him plus 300. Yeah, I, I was uh -oh. just going to say that. I would love yeah. – I would love, like, if you could get a Tyron Matthew to have an interception or a fumble recovery, I would love plus, that. Plus 300 is great, great. Um Taking the Chiefs' first quarter, obviously, just looking at Tom Brady's history and slow starts. But what do you guys think about this? Me and Tito were kind of talking about off-air. Any player to have 150 rushing yards, right, you're like, no, no way. Plus 750, that's a lot. I, mean, I'm just I trying would to like, take it. I, I would probably take it. I just don't know how I feel about it. How the hell about, is that going to happen, right? Like, There's not a speed back is what bothers me. But you're right. If the, if the Chiefs boat race, if the Chiefs Edwards blow them out, you could have Edwards Hilaire, yeah, easily. I mean, the only thing the only thing that I – like, I just can't really – what? You made Mike. it this far. Your mic. Mike. Seriously? In the God – Dang it, I'll have to figure it out. Son Just of a blow on it a couple times. I'll figure it out. Um Yeah, no. I'm I mean, I just don't see any team on the ground touching one fifty. Let me dream, geez. Let me dream. 
Hi, I'll let you dream, Donnie. <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell the listeners this. We will have a compiled list of prop bets that we like tweeted out on Sunday, so you can ride with tailgates and heartbreaks if you want. Just so you know, we are 1-0 this playoffs on bets that we've tweeted out from the tailgates and heartbreaks account. Shout out Patrick Ricard, receiving yards over 1.5. Should we all – hey, we need, know what we need to do before we sign off? Well, we'll do it before the Super Bowl. We're going to need to pick the same prop bet and put it in, like, together. Let's compile some money. Let's go in on it together as a group, as the three of us, see if we can't find one that we like. That's my Man, favorite thing to do, and I haven't won one of, one of them all season. What? That's my favorite thing to do, and I haven't won one of them all season. All right, so we're going to – hey, Sunday's the day, boys. Sunday's yeah. the day, boys. All right. So, and I, so before we sign off, I did want to say, send us a fucking email, but also send us a tweet, anything that gives us what prop bets you like, and we'll give you a shout out on next episode. And as I promised to do, right, for the AFC um, championship game, <laughs> Chris Fox, I rode uh, Dawson Knox plus 1,800, won me a lot of money. Chris Fox, here's your shout out. I've been telling you I'm going to do it. Here it is. If you want your a shout out slash help us win some money, we help you win some money. Send us an email at tailgatesandheartbreaks at gmail. Send us a tweet. Hey, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. Exactly. Exactly. Hi everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of Tailgates and Heartbreaks presented by Section Five One Three. This is episode number twenty-two. This is us signing off. We will talk to you guys after the Super Bowl. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Thank you.